0: This is Christopher Mitchell with the Institute for Local Self-Reliance, back again for our second podcast talking about community broadband networks. Today, we're talking with Monica Webb about Wired West, an initiative in rural western Massachusetts that is well on its way to building an open-access fiber-optic network. But first, if you haven't stopped by MuniNetworks.org lately, we just released a new report detailing how Martin County, Florida, built its own network to connect schools and other community anchor institutions. They've saved millions by walking away from Comcast. You can find it at MuniNetworks.org. Our intro and outro music is by Fit and the Conniptions. You can find them at Conniptions.org. And now, let's turn to our interview about Wired West with Monica
1: Webb. Monica, thanks for, for joining me on the show. Um, can you tell us a little bit about uh, Western Massachusetts?
2: Absolutely. Western Massachusetts, it's it's ironic because often when I tell people that I'm from Massachusetts, they automatically ask me about Boston, which is a great city. Uh, but Western Massachusetts is is pretty different. It's certainly rural. It's very scenic. It's a lot of beautiful rolling hills and valleys, We are about a two-hour drive from Boston and two hours from New York, and what that means is that we are uh, a popular destination for a lot of folks who have second homes or who end up actually migrating here for quality of life reasons. We have a lot of culture. People are relatively educated. We have some good universities here. The only piece of the puzzle that is, of course, missing is ubiquitous affordable and adequate broadband access.
1: So you have a number of towns out there that are all lacking this broadband access. And so so how did you start coming together to find a joint solution?
2: There are close to 50 towns in western Massachusetts that are either totally unserved by broadband or they have partial areas that are served that are the more densely populated areas along main roads. We, uh, all of our various unserved towns, you know, started off years ago. We had what were called broadband committees, and that consisted of each town calling our local phone company endlessly begging them to expand their existing DSL footprint. And we very quickly realized that was going to be unproductive. And we, uh, in the, the region that I'm in, about 11 towns, we banded together to try and increase our impact. At the State House, we uh, chartered a Greyhound bus and went and testified in favor of a bill that would raise state monies to solve the problem of connecting the unconnected. And, you know, that effort, and there were many others that participated in that effort, but that ended up becoming a a broadband bill of $40 million. Uh, The state created an agency to oversee that funding. Um, and it has gone mostly to a middle-mile network that will connect community anchor institutions in all western Massachusetts towns, regardless of the current level of service. So there are, as I mentioned, about 50 towns that are getting middle-mile connectivity, and the rest of the towns in the network are already served. Now, that doesn't solve the problem that we initially went to the state house to complain about, which is connecting our homes and businesses. So that's when our various towns started – we started to meet each other, the broadband advocates from across the region, and realized we all had a united vision, which was this is critical infrastructure, and everybody deserves access to it. And if we're going to do it, we need to do it in a way that uh, creates a long-term asset that is a responsible use of municipal dollars. And, you know, that last part may come from the fact that so many of us have been marginalized by – the lack of service for so long that we really believe that having a, a community, an, an asset that operates in the best interests of the community while still being financially sustainable is, is, is a really important value.
1: When we talk about towns, you're not, you're not leaving out people that are in unincorporated areas. Your towns literally are all of Western Massachusetts, basically. It's the entire footprint of your communities that will be connected.
2: That's right. We don't. Yeah, that's right. We're we're not we're not going to expand the legacy of cherry picking that we've all been subject to. Uh, we're going to reach as many people as are interested. You know, it's a different philosophy. The a private sector company might look at that and say, well, it's it's not profitable enough to connect those people in rural areas. We would approach it and we would say, well, it's profitable to connect people where it's more densely populated, and they will then subsidize connecting the folks where it is not so densely populated.
1: I'm curious if you can talk a little bit about the experience that you went through in terms of uh, organizing these towns.
2: Our first orders of business was to determine an appropriate governance structure. Now we knew we needed something that would enable these towns to work cooperatively together uh, that would allow us to issue financing and that would enable us to offer telecommunication services. And, in, and prior to investigating the options in, in Massachusetts, we assumed we would have to get special enabling legislation. Which, as anyone who follows the broadband movement knows, that can be especially difficult today, with um, you know other with, with private sector firms objecting to that kind of legislation. We were very fortunate to discover that the Commonwealth of Massachusetts enacted legislation over 100 years ago, to enable towns to, uh, to take action where they had been denied critical infrastructure and critical services similarly to what we're experiencing today, and that was a lack of access to electric service. So we found this legislation, and the beauty of it was that it had been amended in the 1990s to enable towns to offer telecommunication services. You know, I think when, when once you live without a critical service like broadband for so long, uh, there, is a, there is certainly a, a common energy and, and a common interest in creating a local solution to that problem and to overcoming differences and working together to make that... Um, come to fruition. I think um, one of the the, the best things we did is we started off with a very wide base of community support. We invited interested parties from every single town to participate. We also have, uh, we've also had over time a leadership team that has been very good with community organizing and now represents uh, a very solid base of expertise required to move this project forward, and that includes financial expertise, legal expertise, marketing, technical and engineering expertise, and of course the community organizing.
1: Your group has accumulated now hundreds of thousands of dollars, I believe, or maybe it's only, I say only in quotes, $100,000 or so of of, uh, value. Through donated time, um, the efforts of a lot of people that have been above the norm, and I, I'm hoping you can tell us a little bit more about what it really takes to to organize 40 different towns. Because you know, it's one thing to say yes, we have a, a common interest in this and that, but there's a lot of work that needs to be done um, just to make progress with that. I'm guessing.
2: What we have been able to do, uh, it's been it's been incredibly. Um Inspiring to see the amount of time that people have devoted to this project. And not just time, but resources and in-kind expertise. And I'll give you one example, which is the mapping work that we were able to do. We worked with our utility companies. We signed non-disclosure agreements with them, which, uh, you know, was a process of, uh, of negotiation there. And they agreed to provide utility poll uh, information in our GIS to us. So we could map every utility pole in our towns. Now, some uh, one of the companies doesn't map all of the poles, so that required volunteers going out and locating the missing poles on G- GIS, as well as using state ortho photos, laying them over the GIS, and checking the that all of the pole locations were as they were indicated on the map. And why things like that are really important to leverage is that that what that means is for us to get to the point of being financed, we have to provide a high-level design uh, and engineering plan and cost estimates. And a big part of that for an engineering firm would be this mapping. So we have effectively uh, taken that those resources that would be required for us to, to raise otherwise and done it ourselves to reduce the startup costs. Now, there's been additional work. I'm going to say there's been... Uh, probably, in addition to that, in other services rendered volunteer time and in-kind services in the neighborhood of probably $120,000 as well. Now we have also received two grants from our local state agency of $50,000 each, the second of which we are now using to do the rest of the engineering work that we can't do ourselves, and we've also used it for a high-level market survey.
1: And is that the RFP you've just released?
2: That is the RFP that we just released last week. It is, you know, it it is a high-level design and cost estimate sufficient for bonding. So what it means is it's not the final design that will be used prior to, you know, that will be designed and constructed to it is a high-level design and cost estimates that is sufficiently accurate for municipal bonds.
1: What are the next steps for you then?
2: We have to have a rock-solid business plan, so we've done a market survey of, by a nationally recognized firm, and the results of that will be used in the business plan. We're doing this RFP, which will generate the uh, cost estimates and the high-level network design. We are about to launch pre-subscription, a pre-subscription mailing to all of the residents in our region, um, and there are, you know, a number of other tasks that we have to, that we're currently putting together, estimating take rate growth, uh, designing our pricing and packaging that are all part of the business plan that, and we expect to have that early October. And the other thing that, other t- major tasks that we're working on is an economic impact study. So that will be able to quantify the economic impact of this type of network on our region. And that's really important. Um, in procuring guarantors for our, uh, in particular, uh, procuring government-funded guarantees for the bond, uh, in addition to other grant monies that may be available.
1: My last question, then, is, is one that I think I would like to ask of all of our guests from rural areas, and that's, um, how do you respond to this common belief that I, I, I've heard from Boston? It's clearly predominant in D.C. and in major urban areas that people in rural areas either don't know how to use high-capacity broadband or that their needs would be simply met by wireless networks.
2: Yeah, and those are two issues that we, we encounter routinely, um, the, in, in particular the wireless bias. And I think that there's a wide public misperception that Wireless is the future simply because there you know there are no wires there uh, and And I also think that there are you know policymakers do promote that because it's you know I, I just think it's the path of least resistance in terms of um, showing some progress on connecting rural customers and kicking the ball down the road in terms of the fact that wireless will not offer adequate Bandwidth for to drive economic development or to enable businesses, and in our area in particular, um, just will not reach people because of our topography. So it's it's you know sort of a short term policy focus where uh, you know it'll get some people connected, and by the time you know the, the that that it is made clear that it doesn't connect everybody and or that the bandwidth is insufficient. Um, you know it will be some other policymaker's problem. So we really spend a lot of time on education um, and and that includes our legislators uh, and our constituents about the importance of fiber, about how fiber is the only thing that is going to drive meaningful economic development in our region uh, about the, the bandwidth needs and how they're growing. I met yesterday with a local film director and special effects pioneer who lives in one of the Wired West towns. He has built a state-of-the-art green screen studio and you know is in talks to do some, some serious productions there. And he has brought serious productions to the region in the past. And he's talking about uploading terabytes of data from his studio on a daily basis. So, you know, this is the kind of message that policymakers need to understand. And if he has adequate bandwidth, he's going to be creating jobs in the region and low-impact jobs. They're not jo- we're not talking about bringing factories into the area. We're talking about attracting very good-paying jobs, uh, stimulating our local economy specifically. So it really is important that we, we do enable businesses of all types and sizes to um, to be connected and to be connected with adequate and affordable bandwidth and that is just not something that wireless uh, wireless can do and in terms of you know do rural customers use the internet less uh, I saw a presentation last week by Michael Render that showed that actually uh, rural residents spend more time online than uh, their urban and suburban counterparts what I can say is uh, we, we just don't have a lot of the amenities out here in terms of stores. We, we do a lot of uh, a commerce online. I, I see no justification for saying that rural areas require less bandwidth.
0: Well, thank you very much, Monica.
2: Thank you for having me on, Chris.
0: Thank you for listening. That was Monica Webb with Wired West. You can find the project online at wired-west.net. We welcome comments and suggestions about the show. Please send them to broadband at Muninetworks.org. Thanks to my colleague Lisa Gonzalez for putting the show together and fit in the conniptions for the music, licensed using Creative Commons. The song is called Storm's Over.